Fuck AC, how we doing tonight? Let's go. Hey y'all, if you have a copy of God's Word, open to John 10. Uh, it's in the second half of your Bible. Feel free to use the table of contents. Uh, it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So that's where you'll find John. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, stop by the connection table afterwards. We'd love to get you one. Feel free to look it up on your phone, however you want to find it. Go ahead and get there. Uh, but like Chief said, we are wrapping up our stereotypical series. And tonight we're going to be addressing the stereotype, it's going to be real fun, that Christians aren't fun. That's our final stereotype. Uh, and to talk about fun, there's only one thing that we can talk about first. And do I have any Lord of the Rings fans in here? Wow, that's actually a lot more than I was uh, hoping for, genuinely. Uh, I was also expecting for that to be only guys, but I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, Y'all, I have always loved Lord of the Rings. Ever since I was a kid, uh, I, they've been some of my favorite. It has been my favorite movie. Sorry, it is one movie. It's 13 hours long. You have to watch the extended edition all in one setting. I don't make the rules, okay? Like, that's just, that's how it goes. But anyways, in that one movie, uh, there's a character, and the character Pippin, he's like complaining about the fact that he doesn't feel like he's going to get enough food. And he lists off all these different kinds of meals, and I was sitting around with some guys, and we were talking about all those meals, just like guys do, and we think, how crazy would it be if we actually ate all of those meals in one day? And we're like, how many meals could we actually eat in one day? And we're sitting around, and we're kind of dreaming this up, and someone just goes, what if we just try it? Like, what if we just do it, which is just classic guy thing to do. And so we get to planning, right? We go on Wikipedia. We, we look up list of meals in the day. I found out that there's breakfast, second breakfast, 11 Z's, lunch, high tea, supper, dinner, fourth meal, and then we wanted a midnight snack just to cap it all off. And we're all like, we're starting to get excited. We're like, okay, we're going to do this. And someone brings up the little issue that we have no idea. How on earth are we going to be hungry enough to actually eat all of this food? And so we're sitting there and we're thinking, and someone goes, hey, we could run like a 5K or something. Nah, right, we don't want to do that. Someone's like, hey, what if we just go to the gym like all day? Definitely not that. And we're just tossing around ideas. And finally, like the one guy who's just like kind of been quiet just goes like, what if we just pull an all-nighter? Oh, all-nighter. Everyone's a little intrigued by that point. And so we start planning out. We're going to stay up from 6 p.m., until the following day, and we're going to eat all of those nine meals in that 24-hour period. And we planned it out. We're getting all the meals settled. In retrospect, we did not do a very good job of actually planning out all the specific meals. But it worked until the finally, the day of it comes, y'all. And let me tell you, it was just so much fun. Like, it really was. We were at dinner just laughing like we had been slap happy, like we had already stayed up. We were laughing so hard, a lot of us couldn't even eat just because of a lot of inside jokes that I won't explain to you all. But the night continued, and we go back to the house that we were staying at, and we're playing football in the snow in the middle of January. We're watching Royals highlights. We're playing board games. We're playing rock band. It was just absolutely so much fun. I find myself in McDonald's at like 3 in the morning eating breakfast. I love it. I fall asleep promptly by 4, 4 a.m. I just couldn't hang. And I woke up at 1130 a.m., and I was like, I clearly missed multiple meals in that small period, because that's where a lot of those get packed in. And I just realized, I was like, you know, I love my friends, but I don't love all-nighters anymore. And it was weird, because I'm like, I used to love all-nighters. Like, do you guys remember that, like, as a kid? It's like, man, I never want to go to sleep. I don't like sleep. Sleep's not fun. I am never going to sleep ever again, because there's so much stuff to do. And then I just realized, 
I don't think that's true anymore. Like, I, I think sleeping is fun now. I get ready to go to bed, and I'm like, hey, let's go, right? I'm feeling good. Let's have fun here. And I think the point of that is, is that there's some things that I used to think were fun, but I just don't think they're fun anymore. And there's also a lot of things that I used to not think were fun at all, but now I really think that they're a lot of fun. And the idea that we have of fun, it's constantly changing, and it's constantly evolving for each of us. And so even beyond this, what's fun for me is probably not fun for you guys. Maybe some things are, but like my exact list of what I like to do in my free time is not the same as you guys. And so I can't really get up here tonight and make a list of this is fun, this is not fun, and just do these fun things, right? Because fun looks very, very different for a lot of us. And can we all just agree, right? Like we don't need a talk on fun that's super like logical. No one wants us to be like, hey, this is the logic of fun, right? Like this is like all the psychology of fun. We just, we just want to have fun, right? A bunch of you are just thinking of a song right now. I'm thinking of a song right now. I'm not going to sing it. You won't make me sing it. Uh, but anyways, God created us to enjoy life. And just to be able to have fun, he created us to experience dopamine and laugh and just enjoy time with people we love. And we all, like, we all want dopamine hits, right? It's not everything there is in life, but God created us to actually be able to enjoy life. God actually created us to receive that and just be thankful for this. And so I was preparing for this talk. I was talking with one of my friends. He was actually there with us on that all-nighter that night. And I was, he was explaining to me that when, when he started to follow Christ, he had, had to overcome this misconception that a lot of his Christian friends were not fun. And so I asked him to share the list. I was like, hey, why, like, why did you think that Christians weren't fun? And oh, boy, did he have a long list. All right, here we go. He said, Man, my Christian friends didn't get drunk with me. My Christian friends didn't get high with me. They pretend like their music is good when it's not. They pretend like my humor isn't funny when it is. They don't like my shows. They don't like my movies. They don't stay up late with me, which is clearly debunked. Uh, they don't know the latest trends. They don't relate to me. And they just take their faith way too seriously. And as he put all this into words, and I was thinking about this, I was like, man, that was exactly my line of thinking before I was a follower of Jesus, too. And so I started to mull over this in my mind, and as I really thought about this stereotype, I realized there's something behind this, right? Because if fun is just subjective, then really there's something behind when people look at the Christian life and think, that's not fun. And I think there's something that they're trying to say. It's like when your parents, you know, like they, they tell their son, like, oh, she's cute. What they're really saying is, when are you going to start dating someone, right? They're like, hey, when are you going to get out there? Or when someone tells you, you guys have all heard this, man, you look really tired right now. They're just like, man, you look horrible, right? There's something beyond what, what they're trying to say to you. And so I think when it comes to the accusation, Christians are not fun, what people are really saying is the thought is, I don't want to live God's way. That's not the life that I want to live. And I've heard it said that there are four common hang-ups that prevent people from following the God of the Bible. These are those four hang-ups. The question, is God real? Is God near? Is God good? And is God for me? And tonight, that question of is God for me, if you have ever thought to yourself, the Christian life is not fun, or living God's way is not what I want to do, then the question of is God for me is the one that you need to find an answer for tonight. And these questions, they don't just go through our minds before we start following Jesus. Right? These questions impact us and shape us as we live as followers of Jesus too. Because a man named A.W. Tozer said this, that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. 
Why? Because it shapes the way that we see ourselves, it shapes the way that we see others, and it shapes the way we see the world around us. Because if we don't think God is for us, naturally we're going to assume, right, like I don't want to live God's way because I don't think God actually cares about me. I don't think he's for me. And Jesus himself actually weighs on in this idea in John 10, and he makes this claim, I have come so they may have life and have it abundantly. And maybe you're here tonight and you're a follower of Jesus, but you find yourself constantly trying to live a life different than what Jesus calls you to live. And you know it, but because you don't really believe God is for you. And you feel like you're on the fence all the time. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus and you're like my friend and I were. And you just think like there's no chance that living God's way could ever be what I actually want to do. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you've been that for a long time but you're so caught up in just not doing bad things that you don't really experience the fullness of life that God actually promises because you don't think he wants you to actually experience joy. And you just think, man, I just, it's all about not doing bad things. And you might know it. You might know that God says these things, but do you really believe it and do you really act on it? And tonight we're going to ask ourselves the question, is Jesus for me? Does he actually care? And tonight, as we are hearing God's words to us in John 10, I want you to stop and ask yourselves a question. How do I see God and his way of living, and how does that impact my view of fun and happiness and the enjoyment of my life? Ask yourself that question. Uh, a little bit of background on John 10, right? So let me set the scene for you guys. Jesus has just healed a man who is blind from birth. This man has never seen anything. And Jesus heals the man, and so he can see, and he's just like celebrating because he can see for the first time. And so he's going nuts and he's telling everyone about it. And these religious leaders, they get all pouty because they're like, hey, Jesus did this on the Sabbath. And the Sabbath, we have all these rules about what you can and cannot do that we made up. And so they're all upset and angry. And this man's like, hey, I can see now. I don't know why this is such a big deal. And so the religious leaders, they're trying to tell all the people, hey, Jesus, he's not from God. He's not really for you guys. He doesn't care because he's breaking the rules that we made. And, and this man is like, hey, I don't, I don't know. Like, I just, I'm telling you guys, I couldn't see, but I can. And that seems to be a pretty big deal for me. So I'm excited about that. And there's just this huge crowd developing. And people are, are really tense. And Jesus is going to get up. And he's going to public, publicly proclaim that God is for each of them. And he's for each of you. And I believe that God has something very personal that he wants to tell each one of you through his word tonight about how we can experience fun and joy in the fact that God is for us. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started in John 10. God, I pray for the night. God, I pray that each of us would just be honest with ourselves. God, I pray that we would honestly ask ourselves the question, do we believe that you're for us? God, this is something that I want to keep asking myself. God, I pray that every single one of us in this room, God, we would listen to your word and that we would be transformed by it. God, and I pray that whatever hang-ups we have, God, that you would help walk us through these things. God, and I pray that tonight you would you'd speak to us in a very personal way, God, not through my words, but through your word, God, the word of God, which is so powerful and so life-transforming. We pray all these things through your son's name, Jesus. Amen. All right, in John 10, Jesus says this, I tell you the solemn truth, the one who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens the door for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own sheep out, and he goes ahead of them, the sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. 
They will never follow a stranger, but will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. And if you're sitting there and you're like, Jesus, what on earth are you saying? It actually says right there, right after that in verse 6, everyone didn't understand what Jesus was saying. Because he's setting up this metaphor. He's setting up this word picture that he's, he's trying to set the stage of what he's about to explain to them. And uh, he's setting up the idea that we are sheep and that there are a variety of voices, some good and some bad, that are calling out to us to try to get us to follow them. And now, if you're like me, and the extent of your farming experience is that you went to high school south of 175th Street, or the extent of your farming experience is that you went to Kansas State University and you knew a guy who once worked on his uncle's farm, you probably need some help with sheep, right? I'm, I'm guessing that we have a lot of gaps about sheep in our mind. Uh, probably not a lot of sheep enthusiasts in the room. Uh, I might be surprised. There's a lot of people that like the Lord of Rings. So clearly, I don't know what people like. But as I was preparing this, I was sitting there, sitting there thinking, I was like, man, I need to actually talk to a shepherd about what makes a sheep happy. And so I was like, how do I know that a sheep is actually enjoying its life? I don't know anything about sheep. And so I pull out my phone, and I Google sheep farms near me. <laughs> I did this, and I found one that was five stars. I thought, wow, they must really be great with sheep. And it was somehow in Minneapolis, which I'm not sure how that was near me. But I was like, I guess so. And so I give them a call, and they don't pick up. And so I'm trying to explain who I am on voice message. And I won't really recap that, because I'm just like, how do I explain what I'm trying to ask you? <laughs> but 10 minutes later, I get a call from my new friend, Deborah. This is Deborah. I'm 100% I'm serious. This is my friend Deborah. So Deborah retired years ago from the corporate world, and she decided that she wanted to get into sustainable sheep farming. And so she started raising Icelandic sheep out in Paola, Kansas. I don't know how this all came about. But she also raises bees and guard llamas, and she plants gardens. And so Deborah calls me and says, I've got 10 minutes before I head out to the local garlic festival but I couldn't ignore your voicemail, and it's very good of you to care about the well-being of the sheep. And I'm like, wow, thanks, Deborah." And before I can even say that, though, she launches into talking about sheep. I, I have a whole note page just full of sheep notes that I am furiously scribbling down, trying to take down notes. And she starts telling me, she's like, okay, so sheep are a herd animal that love pastures. Makes sense. I'm like, they are happiest out in the pasture. And I'm like, well, why? And she says, because a pasture has everything that a sheep needs. And sheep need calm, and they need to not be stressed. Sheep want to be able to eat. They want to be full all the time. Sheep don't really like tight spaces. And I was like, like a sheep pen where you keep sheep? And she's like, let me finish. I was like, oh, sorry. And she said they want to have their own space and freedom, and they want to be able to go out into the pasture. But also, they want to be around a herd of sheep. So they want freedom. They want to be full. They don't want to be stressed. And they want to be around other things that are like them. And I thought, man, that sounds really familiar, to be honest. And actually, her sheep are so happy that they live on average 14 years instead of 10 to 12 years, which is the average life expectancy of a sheep. I didn't know that, but she told me that too. And some of her sheep actually get so old that their teeth fall out, but they keep eating because they're so happy. <laughs> like, I was like, wow, Deborah, this is amazing. And she also told me some things about bees and butterflies. And I also told her on this behalf, this is a message from Deborah. Uh, be good stewards of the world that God has entrusted to us. Right? Like genuinely, it is good to care about the world. God has entrusted it to us. That is from Deborah. I told her on y'all's behalf that I would say that. So Deborah, if you were listening to this, I, I, I passed along the message. 
But as I hung up and I took a breath because I found out I'd been holding my breath while I'm writing down, I don't know why, but I was so curious about sheep. Uh, I sit back in my chair and I just sit there and I'm like, man, that is so profound of everything that Deborah shared with me in light of what Jesus says in John 10. Like, it makes sense why he's calling us sheep. Like, we want to be full, right? We want to not be hungry, and we want to minimize stress, and we want to have community, and we want to have friends, and we want to have freedom. We want to be able to roam. And so it just makes sense that Jesus is comparing us to sheep. I'm like, wow, this is, it, it's like Jesus knows what he's talking about, right? I'm like, I just don't know anything about sheep. And Jesus is establishing here that we are those sheep. And then he's also establishing the claim that there are people who are calling out to the sheep. And Deborah actually explained to me that in order for the sheep to trust her, to guide them out into the pasture, she had to train them for a long time to listen to her voice. And she actually had this special voice that I will not repeat that she could make, and the sheep knew this sound. And she said that she could even walk around the sheep while they were asleep, and they would stay asleep if she was making this noise because they just knew so intrinsically and so deeply that is the voice of someone who cares for me. And they would stay perfectly calm. And if you're taking notes, this is your first point. Check what voices you believe are truly for you. Because this is important to consider because when Jesus weighs in, in verse 7 and 8, he says this, I tell you the solemn truth, I am the door for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. And you know, Jesus is saying this because there are thieves and robbers that he's warning us against. There are thieves and robbers who are your enemy. There's an enemy, the devil, who is a thief. There's an enemy that is our sin, and it is a thief. And, y'all, the thief, like, they're not trying to shout at the sheep, trying to get them to come over to the side of the pen. They're not like, hey, get on over here, sheep. Like, come on, get over here. I'm going to steal you right now. Right? The sheep are just going to run away. Be like, who's that crazy guy, like, shouting at us? The thief is trying to slowly entice them, saying, hey, come on over here. It's okay. Hey, you want some freedom? Hey, I'll get you out of the pen. Right, hey, just come on over here. And sheep don't like to be in tight spaces, right? And we don't really like to be in tight spaces either. We want freedom. And so we want to listen to the thief because we kind of think to ourselves, man, I'm, I'm getting out of here, right? I'm going to the pasture. I'm going to go get fed. But then Jesus is on the other hand, and he says in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. And Jesus is making this claim that he is the door to freedom, and he is actually the door to pasture and everything that we could want. And that pasture, again, that is everything that a sheep could want. It's food. It's space. It's a lack of stress. It's a place to be with other sheep. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen to my voice. I am here to guide you to meet all of your needs. And so we have two options of who do we listen to. We either listen to Jesus in God's way, and we follow Jesus, and we believe that he's for us, or... We listen to the thief, and we get out of the pen that way. Either way, we think, hey, man, whatever gets me out of this pen, right? But then Jesus pulls back the curtain. In verse 10, he says this, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Y'all, the thief might take you out of the pen, and you might think you're getting freedom, but it's fake freedom, right? They're just leading you along like sheep to the slaughter because that's what the thief wants. They just want a meal. They don't actually care about the sheep. I'm not going to get up here and say sin isn't fun. Like, it is. Sin gives real dopamine. It is a real rush of pleasure. But y'all, fake freedom 
gives you real fun and real consequences. It's, it's fun, right, to be a serial dater, to constantly be toying with the hearts of other people, but then you face the consequences of a trail of broken hearts and regret that you leave behind you. It, it's fun to try to get into perfect shape to be able to show off your body on the gram, but then you face the consequences of being controlled by how you think other people view you. It's fun to try to get drunk with the boys, right? But then you weren't in control and you do something that you regret and you look back on that whether you remember it or not. And you're like, man, I regret that. It's, it's fun to call up that guy that you had a fling with in college, right? And it's fun to hook up with him. But, but then you face the consequences of him leaving again in the morning and all the brokenheartedness that that brings. It's fun to listen to music that makes light of sex and relationships, and then we, we kind of wonder, like, well, why can't I make healthy relationships? It's because I'm training my mind to look for something that isn't real, right? It's fun to gossip about your friends, but then I can't wonder, like, I wonder, why do I have a hard time trusting other people? It's because all I know is gossip. It's fun to spend all my money on you, but then you're scared and you're anxious and you're compulsively checking your bank account because you're like, this is the only way I can have fun is if I can spend money. It's fun to scroll on your phone for hours and you get little dopamine hits, but then you wonder why you're so unhappy with the world around you, and why am I constantly comparing myself to everyone else based off of what I see in social media. It's fun to spend hours playing video games, but then you don't know why nothing else is really interesting out in the world, and it's really fun, honestly, to make your life all about you, but then you can't figure out why you're apathetic and why you don't have really any real passion for life. It's because fake freedom is real fun, but it has real consequences. Don't miss this, y'all. It's, it's not that some of these things are not bad in themselves, but it's when we try to live our own way, and we try to listen to the thief, and we try to find our own way to pass through through sin, or through following the path that the devil would want us to follow, we try to want the things that God created, but in a way that he did not create them to be used. And we experience the consequences of the thief. Because we are buying the lie that is sin. And we're trying to live our life our way because we don't believe God is for us. And so we think, man, the thief's offering freedom, but the thief isn't for me. Honestly, a lot of people don't know how to handle the good gifts that God has created, and so they just create a lot of rules, right? They're like, man, there's a lot of things out there in the world, and Christians are notorious for this. Like, we are notorious for coming up with a list of rules. And honestly, I think it's one of the main reasons why Christians genuinely don't have fun. Because they're so busy trying to come up with all these things that they want to outlaw. They're like, hey, this is exactly what they're like. This is everything we can't do. And they try to outlaw things that aren't explicitly stated as sinful in the Bible. Because they don't really, like, they just want it to be easy. They want it to be safe. But it's done out of fear for what the Bible would call fleshly indulgence rather than the fear of God. And the Apostle Paul actually weighs in on this. There was this philosophy called asceticism. And it was all about just saying no to bad things and treating the body very harshly. Because they believed this lie that the physical world was evil, but the spiritual world was good. Y'all, if Jesus came in human body, the physical world cannot be all evil. And if Satan is spirit, then the spiritual world cannot be all good. And there's a consequence to thinking this, this line of thought. Colossians 2.23 says, even though they have the appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship and humility achieved by an unsparing treatment of the body, a wisdom with no true value, they in reality result in fleshly indulgence. 
Y'all, when people try to listen to a voice that is not the voice of God, and they try to create a list of rules, they end up going right back to fleshly indulgence. The very thing that they were trying to avoid. And it's exactly what the thief wants them to do. Right? They act like they're free, but it's fake freedom. And it's, it's full of consequences. And my question for you guys is, do you know Jesus' voice? And what I mean by that is, do you know God and his character by actually knowing God's word to you? Do you know the Bible? Because he is saying, like, trust me, listen to my voice. Have you guys trained yourself to listen to and understand God's word? And I am not talking about some rushed thing in the morning where you look at the Bible verse of the day and you think about it for two minutes and then you run off on your day. Like, sheep take a long time to learn the voice of those they trust. It takes a long time for a sheep to learn that. And some of you guys, frankly, are just rushing through life, and you're pretending like you listen to God. Because you show up on a Sunday morning at church, or you show up at a Thursday night at the block, and you listen for about an hour, and you think, man, I know God's word now. Because I listened to it for an hour of my week. And you think, man, that's good, great talk. Like, glad I heard God. Let me just tell you guys lovingly, that is no way to have a relationship with Jesus. Like, imagine, okay, imagine with me, imagine that you're married, right, and you listen to your spouse for an hour a week. Or, like, imagine that you scrolled past one of their posts a couple times a week, and you liked them and sent them to a friend. And you're like, yeah, we have a great relationship. It's like, man, we wouldn't even call that a relationship at all. That's like a fourth grade dating relationship. They don't really exist. You don't talk to each other. That would be such a bad relationship. And yet, so often, that is exactly how we treat God. We show up once a week, listen to something in the Bible, scroll through Instagram. Oh, there's a Bible post. I'll like that. We send it to someone. And we don't really reflect and sit deeply and think, what is God trying to say to me? And we don't pray and we don't deeply meditate and memorize God's word. And it gets so deep in our minds that even while we're sleeping, we know what God sounds like. Just like the sheep. The sheep can hear Deborah walking by making that noise and they don't even wake up. Do we know God's word so well that even while we're asleep, God's word fills our mind? And before you tell me, right, like, hey, I don't have time for that, check your screen time and explain to me why you have five hours of of your phone every single day, but you can't spend 15 minutes in God's word. Or explain why you can go out every night of the weekend, but you can't spend 30 minutes in prayer on the weekend spending time with God. The excuse is that we have not enough time is absolutely not true. It's because we believe the lie that God is not actually for us. And if this is you, you need to have a very, very serious look at your priorities if you call yourself a follower of Jesus. Because to be a follower of Jesus means you know the voice of Jesus. And when sin comes calling, because it will, when the voice of pornography or hookup culture is like trying to get your attention, or the voice of materialism is trying to say, hey, I'm going to give you some fake freedom, or the voice of drunkenness tries to call you, say, hey, let's, let's go have fun, the voice of selfishness and pride comes to puff you up, it sounds real good in the moment. But it is a lie. And you'll believe that that's fullness of life. Because you don't know God's word. And you might have heard a sermon on that idea once or twice. But you don't know it in any real meaningful way. And tragically, you miss out 
on everything that God is trying to give you because you don't actually know what he says. And it's honestly why I'm not going to stand here and explain to you all everything that is sin and everything that isn't. Because you don't need to know my voice. You really do not need to know the voice of Nick. I am just another sheep that needs to know the voice of God. If you're constantly relying on someone else to feed you the Bible, whose voice do you know? The voice of Jesus or the voice of someone else? You need to know the voice of Jesus. And this is point number two. If you're taking notes, choose to learn the voice of Jesus. And y'all, I want you to listen very, very carefully to the voice of Jesus here. Take this to heart. Just listen. Jesus says in verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come so that they may have life and have it abundantly. Those are Jesus' very words to you. And y'all, Jesus is more for you than you could ever know. God's word says that no creation of God is bad if it's received with thanksgiving or with praise. And we have been given a lot of good gifts. Right? Like, I genuinely, I am so thankful for football season. I really am. Like, it is, I know that I talk about it a lot, but I am just genuinely grateful to God that he created that sport. I, I praise God for the fact that I can play guitar and piano and enjoy music. I praise God for the fact that I have friends that I can hang out with. I praise God for the fact that I can go on walks or I can go out in nature. And like all of these things are so great. And the fact that we can go to the gym and the fact that we can eat good food, like all of these things are gifts from God. And honestly, sometimes like these pastures get old, right? Like sometimes you, you keep eating from the same thing and you're kind of thinking like, why? Why am I not enjoying this as much as I always do? And it's just because those pastures are getting overgrazed. And the one thing that I've found that's continually fun that I can never overgraze on is growing in my relationship with Jesus. That is something that has always continued to bring genuine joy and fun and fulfillment of life into my life. And it's because I'm knowing the one who's leading me around to those pastures. And I'm getting to know the shepherd who loves me. And it's because Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus is saying, get to know me, because that's where fullness of life is found. I'm going to ask you guys, is your idea of fun changing if you are a Christian? Because if you claim to be a Christian, do you actually think following Jesus is fun? Do you actually think it's enjoyable? Because if you look at all your friends, and you just envy what they do all the time, and you think, man, I can't do that anymore... I want to challenge you to ask yourself, do you really believe God is for you if you're constantly envying the world around you? And so often, y'all, in our society, like, we like to be defined by our fun. Like, we like to be defined by our hobbies. We think, like, I'm the music guy. Like, I'm the sports guy. And those things aren't bad. But in a world where we're constantly told to find our identity in fun, God moves us around from pasture to pasture so that we can find our identity in him. Because Jesus lays down his life for the sheep. He lays down his life for you and for me. And Jesus died in agony so that you could have life that's abundant. Just think about that, that he is the good shepherd. It's amazing to think about this. Y'all, true freedom gives you real fun and abundant life. It really is true freedom. 
Jesus is actually going to continue, and he's going to address some hired hands. And then a hired hand in the day, they were paid to look out for the sheep, but they had no real ownership or value of the sheep, right? It was kind of the equivalent of like a high school worker at your neighborhood pool, right? Like they, they're probably just there because their mom wanted them out of the house for the summer. Their mom signed them up and just said, like, hey, just go work. And they're just like, yeah, I'm just probably going to let some people in. I actually have a friend who did that. I think it's hilarious. But, you know, they're not too passionate about pool care. Uh, the, the hired hands, right, like they're not very passionate about sheep. They don't really care about the sheep. And so Jesus says this about the hired hand in verse 12, that the hired hand who is not a shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and abandons the sheep and runs away. So the wolf attacks the sheep and scatters them. Because he is a hired hand and not concerned about the sheep, he runs away. And a lot of times we entrust ourselves to these hired hands. Like rather than the good shepherd, we think, man, I'm just going to have a hired hand look out for me and guide me. But they don't actually care. And when life gets difficult and the wolves come and they attack, and you find out that life is hard and it's not all about fun, you find the hired hands running away. You know, the, the, the bar does not call you when your girlfriend dumps you. It doesn't. Your bank account does not come and sit by your side when a loved one dies. Your, your phone does not look out for you when you lose your job. Your gaming system does not love you. Your favorite TV show did not die for you. And a list of rules will not give you comfort when life is falling apart around you. But do you know who does? A good shepherd. Jesus, he runs in and he puts his arm around you and he says, I've got this and I've got you. He's saying, so look to me for everything you could ever want and everything you could ever need and get to know my voice. Because there are a lot of voices and they're both hired hands and thieves and they're going to be calling for your attention. And we have to listen to the voice of Jesus. And you're saying, why? Why do we know that he's for us? Because listen to this, he values you. He cares about you. And y'all, honestly, it takes humility to accept this, to accept that there's value that's found outside of myself. And to find my value from God, it takes a lot of humility to be able to accept that trait. But Jesus says in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as my father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And we have to focus ourselves on knowing Jesus and on listening to Jesus. Do you know him? Not do you know about Jesus, but do you actually know his voice so that you can distinguish between the lies that the enemies and the thieves are trying to tell you and actually know what does God say about the idea of fun and enjoyment of life? And do you guys know that Jesus knows you? Jesus knows every single one of his sheep. And this is the, the third and final point tonight Believe that Jesus is the shepherd who is truly for you. I'm going to invite my friend Andrew Edrington. He's going to come up and actually explain what this looked like for him to finally believe that Jesus is the shepherd that was truly for him. So I want you all to give it up for Andrew. Hi, guys. Hey. Uh, if I haven't met any of you guys, um, my name is Andrew Edrington, and uh, I don't know if you maybe heard the crazy psycho lunatic like KU football fan. That's, uh, that's me. Um, I know. Depressing. Uh, anyway, I uh, just want to give you a little bit of a background about my faith. 
Um, I grew up in a faith-centered family. Um, I learned who Christ was at an early age. Um, came to Christ when gave my life to him when I was seven or eight years old. And I uh, was baptized, uh, did the whole thing, walked in front of the church. Um, and, man, I felt like I knew him um, from the time I was, until I was about seven or eight. Um, and at that point, I felt like I just intended on following him the best I could. Um, and that's who I, that's why I chose to live. Um, then when I was in third grade, my mom was diagnosed with stage three ovarian cancer. Um, and then once again, when I was a freshman in college, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And, uh, that caused a lot of sadness and honestly just bitterness at God and anger. And I was like, why, like, why could that happen to someone that I love so dearly? And like, that's something that's tough that you wouldn't expect a kid to deal with. Um, Anyway, uh, you know, I still believed in God, but I, he just wasn't my Lord above all. And I started to take and believe the lies that, you know, the world presents to me. Um, so then I started to live how the world wanted me to live and be the person the world wanted me to be. Um, you know, when I went to college, I used to go to the bar four or five times a week. Um, I was out getting drunk, um, treating women poorly, uh, idolizing sports. I mean, you name it, uh, you name it, I was pursuing it, uh, pursuing the lie. Uh, in the eyes of the world, I mean, I was just your average 20 to 22-year-old kid, but I'd get back from the bar the next day or the morning, and I'd be like, man, this is just emptiness. I d it just wasn't the life that I knew God wanted for me, and it was just, I knew something had to change. Then life really hit me like a freight train. Uh, I had a best friend, um, or one of my best friends, Jack Roche. Uh, he was killed in a tragic car accident in Chicago, Illinois. Um, I went up to his funeral in Chicago, and I looked at him in his casket, and I just was like, wow, what if this was me? And I just sat there, and I was like, is this, is this just something that, like, what, what if it was me? And, you know, I was like, I, I feel like I should pick up a Bible or something, but I didn't know where to start. So then I ultimately, unfortunately, took things under my own hands and honestly started seeking those coping mechanisms even more, just drinking more. And that just ultimately led to depression and just even farther away, just believing the lies even more and more. And I was just farther away from Christ and I was like, you know, I'll just do this, deal with this later. Kept pushing it off. And, you know, eventually I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I just, had to turn to God, no other place to go. Then, on Easter Sunday, uh, I filled out a Connect card, and a man named John Blackburn reached out to me, good family friend of mine, and uh, he, uh, I started meeting with him, he's a Christian-based uh, biblical counselor, and he taught me how to read the Bible, pointed me and showed me uh, what God's will really is for me, and showed me what it truly means, and man, like, I started reading, and I was like, this stuff's starting to click, and uh, man, like, I was just started living things and making choices among God's will instead of my own, and then I got plugged into another group, and I met this guy, Michael Masterson. Uh, he reached out to me, and funny story about this, he reached out over Zoom, and I was like, you know what, man, like, I don't know about these Christians, like, they're so straight-edged, like, these, there's no way that, like, these people would judge me, these people, like, man, I just believe all the stereotypes. And then I just got, I was like, you know what, I'll just 
I'll listen to what he has to say. And then I saw his haircut. <laughs> and he tried to cut his own hair. And, I mean, let me tell you what, that thing, oh, it was a sight to be seen. And, man, I mean, from that point on, I just realized, like, grew around them, and I just saw how authentic I could be with these guys. And I saw that they, they would claim, like, I saw people that would claim to be Christians, but I saw in Mike, and I saw in all these other guys that they just lived joyfully. And they were living this life, and I was like, man, I want that. That is way more fun than the way I'm living. And I could just be authentic, and I could just open up to them about things. And I just saw immediately just how much joy that brought me. And, you know, I was half in, half out for a while. And eventually, I just realized, I was like, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. God, I'm all in. Like, just went for it. And, uh, man, I just saw the pure joy that it brought me. And I saw how God worked in my life, and he pursued me. And I started to see just the different little things and the enjoyments that it's so, like Nick was talking about, just how pure life is and how even the little things that God brings and just the joy of just living around groups of guys that can be just great. I, don't even, I can't even describe it, honestly. <laughs> I can't even describe it. But I started living selfishly instead of selfishly. And, man, I'd be the first to say I'm a sinner. Uh, I think Christians don't honestly do enough for even just admitting that. Like, we're not perfect. But uh, it's a process fighting against sin. Uh, but, you know, it's a fight against the, against the evil one. Um, and, man, life's way better now. It's way more fun. So, um, all glory to God for that. Um, and I hope that it sticks with somebody out here tonight watching this or seeing, reading, seeing me talk. Um, honestly, if, I just hope someone's ready to make the Lord their Savior. I mean, I hope someone makes that decision tonight. So, God bless. Christ saves lives. Rock chalk, baby. You can keep that. Man, rock chalk. Y'all, honestly, it's been really fun getting to see Andrew and the way that he is committed to learning God's word, because he really is, and the way that, man, that you're memorizing scripture, the way that you are studying God's word, it's just, it, it gets me excited. It makes me want to con continue to do it, continue to store God's word in my life, so I'm grateful for you, bro. Y'all, as, uh, as we prepare to close tonight, y'all, good discussion questions, lots of energy there. Jesus, uh, so, so Jesus continues on in verse 16, and he says this. He says, I have other sheep that do not come from this sheepfold. I must bring them too, and they will listen to my voice, so that there will be one flock and one shepherd. He's saying that he has other sheep that he is trying to draw in. And look, even in Jesus' focus to reach other sheep, he's saying, I want you to continue to have community. Like, I want you to continue to know people. He continues on in John 17 and 18 and says, This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it back up again. No one takes it away from me, but I lay it down of my own free will. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it back up again. This commandment I received from my Father. And y'all, Jesus is alluding to the cross here. He's saying, I am going to lay down my life so that other people can live. But we have to ask ourselves, okay, who are those lost sheep? 
And he's talking about all of us. At one point in our time, in Isaiah 53, 6, God tells us that, that we all like sheep have gone astray and we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And if you have not made the decision to follow Jesus, the Bible is very, very clear that you have gone off the path in your sin. And there are very serious and eternal consequences for that. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And while the thief came to steal and kill and give death, Jesus came to die to take that death that we earned, that our sin earned, and offers us life in exchange for if we follow him. And you can make that decision. Just like Andrew said, he's like, I hope someone just makes the decision to follow Christ today. And I genuinely do too. If you have not made that decision, I would really seriously encourage you as we are gonna spend some time reflecting in song, do business with God in your heart and make the decision to follow God if you have not made that decision before. Because he is the good shepherd that is truly for you. And the amazing thing is that he also has a good purpose for you. And Jesus invites us into this purpose of reaching those other lost sheep. And last week, Chad called us to fight for the gospel and to take the news that Jesus died and was raised again out into the world to tell others. And he called it what the Bible calls it. He called it to live the crucified life. And you might be thinking, like, in a talk about fun and enjoying life, why on earth would I want to live the crucified life? Like, that doesn't seem to make any sense. But Jesus calls us to be crucified daily. And in the area of fun, that might mean that you need to set aside your freedoms and your pastures for the sake of someone else who's going astray. It might mean that. But Jesus has called you into that, and he will lead you into another pasture. Jesus says in Luke 23 through 24, he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will, will save it. Y'all, if you are asking the question, is Jesus for you? Is Jesus for me? I want you to consider this. The thief promises you life, but gives you only death. But Jesus promises you death, but gives you only abundant, everlasting life. Let's pray. God, I'm grateful for you. Um, God, I just, I pray that as we are about to reflect in, in worship and in song, God, I pray that if there's anyone here, God, they wouldn't feel like they have to sing along. God, they would not feel like they have to stand up or mime any words out, God. But I pray that they would just do business with you in their hearts. And God, that they might accept you for the first time. God, if, for those of us that are followers of you today, God, I pray that your spirit would press very, very specifically on the areas of our heart. God, I want you to do this in my heart. God, what are the areas that I don't continue to believe that you're for me? God, would you continue to show all of us what that means? God, would you continue to see all of, uh, God, to show all of us, God, that you give us abundant and full life. And, and God, I pray that as we leave here, God, I, I pray that this would not just be something that we look at and we just think, man, what a good time, God, but we would make a decision to get to know your voice every single day. God, I truly do not care if anyone remembers anything that was said tonight, as long as they know that they need to hear your word to them. And so, God, as we are alert, as we are singing, as we are worshiping, God, help us our, our, to worship in our hearts, and God, just to celebrate the things that you have done. 
And God, help us to celebrate and, and mean these things, God, because we want to get to know you. And God, morning by morning, God, every single day, we want to know you. And we want to invest in our relationship with you and spend time reading your word and storing it up in our hearts. And I am so grateful that you did this and that you have transformed my life and that you've transformed the lives of so many men and women in here. And we love you and we pray all these things through Jesus' name. Amen.